Okay. So I want to begin, we, we switched, for those who haven't been here recently, we switched the order. We tried to put the shorter verta, which don't end up being short, at the beginning, and then the Dibri Hashkofa, which is not going to be Hashkofa this week, at the end. Whatever. It gives it some sort of structure, and you know, things don't stick to that. That's that supposed to. So the first word I want to give is, is from a Pnei Yeshua, in the Seventh Prophet, the Avlamid Beis on Aleph. I hesitate to say it because I don't fully, I don't understand it. I have kashas on it. That it doesn't fit with Chazals and it doesn't seem to fully logically fit. But it's too good of art not to say. And also the lesson that can be learned from it is too gishmat not to say. So we have to say it and, and it will be homework for people to figure out and be metarets to kushas. The parasha starts off, Hashem, Moshe Rabbeinu informs Kali Yisrael, V'azchanan el Hashem ba'isla yileim ra'idam, Hashem is that I'm saying, Hashem, Chilois al-Hahar es Zabdecha, Azkod l'cha ve'esiyot ch'achazok, Hashem ikal Moshemayim, Baruch Hashem yasakam ha'sevah, Gudu Yisrael, Evro no ve'ere es Let me pass over and see the land. So Moshe Rabbeinu says, first, before he actually says what his tefillah is, he gives a bunch of Adamas, the Pnei Yishu learns out from there, that the Tzuras HaTzfilah is supposed to be with praising Hashem with three brachas before you start asking for things, even though Moshe here is not, uh, and he's describing what his Tzfilah was, so we can learn out from there. And he says, So, Goydel refers, uh, always refers to Chesed, and that's Vidulav HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that refers to Moganobis, it's Moganobis, that refers to the bracha of Mikalchamoicha, which is Kenari Yitzchak. And then Mikal Bashemayim Vo'oretz, Asher Eskmarzach Vorasacha, refers to the bracha of Atakadosh. And then he starts to ask his, for what he needs. So the Medrash says, the, 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 there's two Medrashim. The first Medrash says that from these Pesukim we learn out that a person is Chayat Tadavim three times a day. Or you don't see it anywhere in the Pasuk, it just sounds like a Medrash Puya. And the second Medrash, which is the one that the Bnei Shur refers to as a Medrash Puya, is that it says, Vaschanan is Gematria 515. So we learn out from here that Moshe Rabbeinu Davin 515 times to be allowed in Terech So So Zot Bnei Shur, he holds that to Medrash Puya. He feels that the fact that it's a Gematria is not strong enough on the car to say that that's how many times Moshe Davin. Obviously, any word that you're going to use for tefillah is going to have some gematria. Are you going to be forced to say that that's... So maybe say, because it's an unusual word for tefillah, but Rashi has other limudim that we learn out from this specific word, v'azchanam, that it was a tefillah schinam, and that he wasn't asking using this chusim. So that's what Rashi said. So the Bnei Yishu, he says also, what are we supposed to learn from that? So the Bnei Yishu says, he says, that it's a chesh ben it's exact that that's how many tefillahs ma'ashad ha'avim. And he says, the, the, the Medrash that says that it's a Gemachi is only a Smachta. It's a way to remember how many tefillas he davened. But the Cheshben goes like this. He says that Moshe Rabbeinu was told by Hashem that he's not going into Israel. So he felt he had no Pisgah in Peh, he had no opening to start asking Hashem to allow him in because there had been a Shvua. Hashem said, Lochein, which is a Lashon Shvua. So therefore Moshe felt he couldn't get it in. Until he had some indication that the Shvua has been cancelled. So, Moshe says over here, 
So Rashi brings down it means when he conquered Sichon like, and like Rashi brings down over there in those parishes that Hashem took the Malach of the Meroyim and put a Tachas Ragle Moshe. So Moshe felt that since he had started to do a Kibosh Yisrael, or at least the Chutz Laaretz of Yisrael, that perhaps that was a sign that, Moshe, that Hashem had canceled the Shavuah and that he would be allowed. And starting that point, Moshe began to daven to be allowed in Teret Yisrael. The Gemara in Balvasra, it's also, makes a cheshben that this happened on Tuba'ah. On the day that the Mesem Midbar stopped Stop dying because until then Hashem wasn't talking to Moshe Rabbeinu B'Darech it wouldn't be part of the Torah. And since it is, it means it happened on Tubav and Vaitu. Moshe was Nifter on Zion Ada. So it says if you make the Cheshbin, it's 200 days. If the months are Kesidram, that means they go 30, 29, 30, 29. So it's 200 days from Tubav until Zion Ada. That would be. Three tefillahs a day, and 600 tefillahs. However, there's 28 days where Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't daven for himself because of Shabbos, 28 Shabbos in those days. So it comes out to be 172 days times 3 is 516. So Moshe would have davened 516 tefillahs. But he didn't start davening until he got this nevuah on Tubal. Hashem didn't speak to him at night, he spoke to my dead. So therefore, it was only after Shachris, or after Meirev, at some point before he davened Shachris, that Hashem spoke to him. And he realized that the Shavu might have been canceled, that he started davening, and for the next 515 tefillahs, until the tefillah he died, by Mincha time, he kept davening to be allowed in Territus This is the beautiful Cheshven of 515. It says, that's why the Medrash says, Mikan, that there's three tefillahs a day. Because the Cheshven of 515 only works out if you daven three Shman Esrus a day. The, uh, the Kashas, number one is that Vazchanon is not said at the last day of Moshe's life. It was said, this, this statement here by Moshe said previously, either still on Rosh Chodesh or, or, or even earlier than that. And therefore, it's, uh, he seems to be saying, I already daven 515, not that I plan on davening 515. Additionally, Chazal tell us that he was told to stop. And he could have gone further. According to the Peneshul's Cheshben, he stopped because he wasn't alive anymore. So there wouldn't have been anything more to say. But the word is, again, on its own, it stands beautifully and it's too good to not say. It's a Geshmake Cheshben. I want to point out something with the Geshmake Cheshben. The reality is that the reason why the Mesemizber really stopped dying, they really stopped dying a year before. They stopped dying the previous Tishabo, that's when they always used to die. And it, it, it turns out that no one was going to die in the next year. So they really started dying a year before. And certainly, even if you say that Hashem had not yet decided to spear them, and it was only on that Tishabah that they were speared, but certainly on Tishabah they stopped dying. It was just that they thought they had made a mistake. And until there was a full moon and they were able to see that it must not be Tishabah, so then they realized they hadn't stopped dying. But they had really stopped dying. So Toysus deals with the Kasha. And Tosin Babasa. And what, it's, uh, it should be that Moshe Rabbeinu already started, should have started getting his Nebuahs, Tishabov at least, maybe even a year before. And he explains that sh- the, the Shekhin is not Shriya on someone's Bitsar. And since they still thought that the, the Gzair was on them, so they were Bitsar. And they thought they were going to die any day. They thought they were going to die tomorrow, and the whole family's crying. And, and it was only when they understood that they're not going to die that they weren't Bitsar. 
So it comes out, the reality is, especially if the Chazal, we know that Moshe died in 516 Tvilas, he would have been allowed in, that it's like a tragic error that Moshe didn't get in Territisro. If he only would have chapped that the only reason Hashem is not speaking to him is because you don't chap that Hashem is forgiving you already. But he really has, and it's, you're, it's ready, it's time to start davening already. Then Moshe would have davened one more tefillah. He would have davened that minor. He would have davened a few days before also. And he would have had the tefillahs to get in Territisro. There are times when we have done things that cause Hashem to pull back from us, so to speak. And uh, there are various. But often, that which makes us rochuk from Hashem is not anything on Hashem's side. Hashem is standing ready, open-armed, waiting for us. It, not even, he's there already. And the only thing in the way is our perception that we are rochuk from HaKadosh Baruch And that we're so far away and we feel that we can't approach Hashem, that we're not connected to Hashem, and therefore we're talking not connected to Hashem. And we don't say that below. We don't do that learning, do that do that mitzvah because we feel like we're so far from Hashem. And if we understand that we're that if we were really we wouldn't be here. And that a person is always either or one shuva away from being so then we would have a tremendous impetus to do things differently and to realize that we're walking with HaKadosh Baruch And a person has to understand that and especially Especially as we, you know, we finish up the Yimei Tsar of Ben Amtsarim, and we move into the Shivna Nechemta, which I want to talk about at the end, but... So we have to realize that all those feelings of Richuk from HaKadosh Baruch that are generated by Golos, by being far from Hashem, but Hashem is telling us, no, you're extremely close to me. Some, in certain ways, when a person is sitting on the floor crying over the Besamidish, that's the closest they're ever to that Kaddish Baruch Hu. And all the other pain, right? Uh, you know, we sing that Kadyasmi Yisrofa Oiskin Beraisa. So Hashem calls over the and says, Look at them, they forget their own pain. <coughs> and then it's asking the Chavisadili. It would be beautiful if we could reach that level where it's asking the Chavisadili and we delight in Torah the way Hashem does. And forget our own pain that way. Sometimes that's difficult. But when a person forgets all the own pain that we have, and we're able to feel the pain of the Shina, so that's also a time that our Kaddish Baruch Hu calls over the Malachim and says, Look at our children who put aside all their own pain. We have to realize that we're Karav El Kaddish Baruch Hu, and we should use the opportunities to daven for what we need, to ask Hashem for what we need, because, again, very often the only Mechitza. Is the mechitzah that we're putting up within ourselves. That's the first part. <coughs> There's a medrash here also. The medrash says, by Moshe Rabbeinu, when it refers to Moshe Rabbeinu, down into Gontek's soul. So our normal understanding of that is that Moshe Rabbeinu very much wanted to get into his soul. There was a lot there that he wanted to do, mitzvahs-wise, and therefore he was, so to speak, badgering Hashem in order to attempt to get in. There's a medrash that gives us a different understanding of what Moshe Rabbeinu was doing with his tefillahs. And the medrash says that there are two avodim of the king. The king tells them both not to eat meat for a year. So I believe it's meat. I want to look it up because I don't want to guess, but someone didn't put back the medrash on the worm, so I can't look it up. But I think it says meat. And he, um, so the first 
servant, who the, the Medrash calls, is not a good servant of the king. So he says, meat, it's out of my, I, I, I have ripped it out of my system. I hate meat. Not a big deal to not eat meat for, for a year. And the second servant says, Oi, how can I go a year without meat? And he just walks around for a year waxing poetic about meat and how wonderful meat is and all the good dishes are meat. The nine days for a whole year, ah, I'm going to kill myself. Can I make a sea? What? Right? And, 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 and this is the way it is. So the Medrash calls him, he's the Evan Nemo. So what's Pshat? Says the, the, the first servant is making it that the, the Sivu HaMelech doesn't affect him. It's not a big deal to me. I don't like meat anyways. So a year? Make it three years. Right? Big deal. I don't like meat. I'm, uh, you know, I'm allergic to meat. Whatever. But the, the Evan who wants to make, the second Evan who wants to make the Sivu HaMelech Chod. So he says, the only reason I'm not eating meat is because the king said so. I love meat. Meat is so geschmack. Meat is the best. And he managed talks about meat the way, almost the way we talk about meat. So he brings out that look at the tzivay hamalach. That's what's holding me back. That's Moshe Ben. The reason why Moshe Ben would daven so many times to go into Yisrael, maybe he thought he wanted to get him also. But there was an element that he wanted to show Claudius. So he wanted to show everyone. Don't think that I don't, Hashem said no, and I said, yeah, who needs Eretzro anyways? He, I yearn for Eretzro, I desperately want to go in, but I won't because Hashem said not to. If Hashem tells me no, then it's no. But he wanted to bring out how much he loved Eretzro and how, and it's only because it, not how much he loved Eretzro, he wanted to bring out how chavid, the tzivir of HaKadosh Prophet, not to go into Eretzro was then. That if Hashem says so, he built up Bedavka's love for Eretzro, we find a similar zakh. I heard from a brother. I'm not sure why this was this point was so chavav to him. But he said if he was Faharin, this was his lush, if I was Faharin Rabbeim for the younger grades, this is the only question I would ask them. Shtait in by the Akeda that Abram went, he took his Khamoir, he took the eights, and he took the Ma'achelas, he took the Aish. Now he wanted to make sure that he's gonna be able to do it, no excuses. Not going to go, I, I forgot to bring matches, okay, right? And there's no Yeshua around, so what am I going to do? So he, he, he brought wood, he brought the knife, he brought everything, right? And it says also, you know what else he brought? He brought Yitzchak, Shkoyach, right? Why do you have to say that he took Yitzchak with him? Obviously. No, he's going to come with the knife and the thing, and yeah, huh? Oh no, Yitzchak's not here. Oh well, I guess we're not going to do that later today. Of course he brought Yitzchak. That you don't have to say. So it's not fractured or not, why is that to say he brought Yitzchak? So he, he answered, he said that <coughs> you would have thought that Avram, knowing that he's going to Shech Yitzchak, so he would send him some other way. Say, look, Yitzchak, three days, meet me by the place that Hashem will show, wherever it is, give him the general directions. We'll meet up over there, and this way he could start like separating himself from Yitzchak. Instead, it says he took Yitzchak with him. What do you think Yitzchak was doing for three days? He was telling him, and Abraham's ahava for Yitzchak was being pumped to the highest level it could possibly be. And thus is what Abraham wanted. Bidafka to have Yitzchak with him, and he took Yitzchak with him, so that at the time that he's going to be mocked of him, it's going to be with the greatest ahava that he ever had for Yitzchak. Normally Abraham was busy with the yeshiva, 
with the house, with the archim. He didn't have time 24 hours a day to spend with Yitzhak. Now, 24 hours a day for three days, he got to see exactly what it is he's going to be shafting. And that was Badafa. Because Avram wanted it to be that he's giving away to the God's kind of Yitzhak, the Bilchash after. So he tried to build up the Ahava as much as he could. This is Moshe Ben. He's building up the Ahava for Eretz so that he can show when Hashem says something, that's the way it is. And that's the way it is. There's a, a incident in the end of the parashim. So it's, we have, uh, I think, yeah, we have Shema. So, and Shishi. So, um, it's, Shema Yisrael is the most, the most basic statement of Yiddishkeit that exists. When a child learns to speak, so he's supposed to see some Torah Tzibu on my show, and Shema Yisrael. Those are the two first phrases that they're supposed to know. I'm trying to do it with my son. He knows how to say no. He got very good at no. That was his first thing. Right? He used to practice it in his crib at night. But here, I'm suddenly revving up. No! 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 So I tried teaching him to say, no, no. Tyra! No! So I don't know if I'm supposed to, you know, I don't know if that's good kina. Then I'm saying no to Tyra. And now he knows a few other words also, mine. He got mine now. But, uh, stop. But, no tire yet. But I'm trying. And then Shema, you have to get him to say Shema. And, and we know that that's how uh, he gives up his life. And that the Saif Yamu, a person, ends off with Shema Yisrael. So it's the most basic statement of Yiddish guy. It, it seems um, wrong somewhat that it's an outward statement. Instead of a person talking to himself and saying, Shema me, Hashem Akinu Hashem Echad, he's announcing it to everyone else. Hey, listen up, everyone! God is great! God is one! And there's people, there's a lot of people who do it, they stand on soapboxes and shout these things out. I, I, you know, I, there's billboards about it, you can find them. Uh, certainly bumper stickers for sure. And it's my bumper sticker, Lachutz. It certainly does not necessarily. Uh, what's playing on the radio inside the car does not necessarily reflect what the bumper sticker says about Hashem on the outside. So, it would seem that it would just be more... What? Who exactly are we addressing when we say Shema Yisrael? So there's a Yisoyed Yisrael Shabbaidah, a very beautiful Yisoyed Yisrael Shabbaidah. He says, he says three timing. The third one, uh, you could look at it there. Um, the first two, in the first one he says that it's not a word and just an announcement. It's like the big ayin and the dal, it's an edus. That a person says, I'm not just saying it, I'm willing to testify to the world. I'm willing to, this thing that I say inside to myself, of course, but I'm willing to testify about it to the world. And I'm willing to get up and say it proudly. I, I find it, I think it's something that we should, uh, I think, I think, I'm not sure. Maybe have a lot of problems with it, um, but I think that in the Goyish belt, right? Again, not that they necessarily mean it hundred percent, but if you have, in the sports world, if you have people who are players who are Christian, uh, as they um, toot their own horn and glorify themselves in all ways, but they'll say, you know, if you ask them, what got you here? So first of all, it's God, and they thank God and thank God and thank God and thank God and thank God. And they'll do it sometimes every play. They'll make a symbol about it. And uh, they certainly talk about it a lot. They're not shy to talk about it. And I, I found, you know, again, amongst ourselves, we do talk about it. But 
But let's say someone gets on the phone and you're making a call to, you know, I don't know, AT&T about some service problem. So they say, well, sir, how are you doing today? Do we feel comfortable saying, well, thank God, to recognize, to pronounce to the world, now again, to say Hashem, Baruch Hashem, I don't know if that's going to be very effective. But, so using terms that they know, or if you want to say the Almighty, it sounds a little, uh, um, I don't know, uh, archaic, but if there's, if there's a problem saying Hashem's name in English, then maybe that would be a better alternative. We certainly tell ourselves that when we're among Jews, that's how we should talk. That a person should trace things back to Hashem. If someone says, you know, how did, how did it go? Uh, uh, you come back from trying to do a business deal, and you come into your office, and there's a, a you know, Goyesha co-worker, and he asks you, so, how did the business deal go? Why do we feel uncomfortable saying where it came from? And say, oh, thank God the business deal went through. And don't just say it as an expression. Yes, thanks to God. Maybe that's better. Change it a little bit. So they understand you really mean what you're saying. Due to God, this business deal went through. And I'll say, what do you mean? You didn't. Yeah, no, that's where it comes from. Let, let us proudly, let us be, say, Eidos, that we believe Hashem Achad, that there's one who runs everything. Why it seems to me, I'm talking for myself, from my own personal experience, that, that I am uncomfortable saying this to God. I don't know why. I don't know why the reason is, but I think that it may be time to I try to start changing it and to feel comfortable telling them the way I believe it. They, so again, Christians certainly feel comfortable saying it to me. So why can't I feel comfortable saying it back to them in my way? I believe that this was brought about by If I go to a doctor, how are you feeling? Thank God. Okay. Um, so what are you here for today? Because thank God certain things are not going the way they're supposed to. And, and uh, so why are you coming to me? Good, I'm not giving you a whole share on the Tachar and Shabbos, but this is the way it is. I'm coming to you, and with the help of God, you'll hopefully do something. And if you, and if you say otherwise, I, I, I've tried to, I've turned down that thing because the Tachar sound like too big a Balgaiva. It doesn't sound like the type of thing that's going to have any other Shema. The guy now talks about himself the whole day. These hands! Okay, it's it's But that's the first shot from the service of Shabbat. The second shot, he says like this. He quotes his own. Zoya asked the Kashi, he says, when Shema Yisrael was first said, it was the children of Yaakov talking to Yaakov. They said, Shema Yisrael, and they're talking to their father Yisrael. He says, who are we talking to when we say Yisrael? So the Zoya quotes, we're also talking to Yaakov. And the HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Yaakov every day, knew all those kindleach that you brought in, that Klai Yisrael that you created, this, this group of people who are going to, throughout the generations, carry the torch and be the bearers of light through the world. Are they holding up to the task? Are they, are they still, do they still do what they're supposed to do? And every morning, when we wake up, first thing in the morning, come out, and every night before we go to sleep, we sort of sleep, check back in with home base, and we say to, to our father Yaakov, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elekeinu Hashem Achad. I know it was a long day, there was a lot that I did maybe that didn't look that way, that wasn't 100%, but I start my day and I end my day letting you know that that's where I am. Hashem Elekeinu Hashem Achad. That that's the bedrock. And it's something that we have to, uh, I think we spoke about it before, maybe Shavu is fine, 
that there's a, a sense, especially amongst the kids nowadays, that's what I deal with during the year, a big meheki tasty on the Gansi Yiddish guy. Uh, they're willing to do, let's say, yeah, more, no, but why do I have to? And I could from all the other reasons I shouldn't give you life and, and whatever else it is, but why isn't there just a basic sense? There were people for thousands of years who died so that you would have this Yiddishkeit, that you would have this opportunity. There were people who sacrificed everything they had for you to have this opportunity. You better not give it up without some really, really compelling reason. Once you have your compelling reason, now we'll talk about your compelling reason. But just to say, well, I don't feel like it. Who cares whether you feel like it or not? Your grandfather and great-grandfather and great-great-great-grandfather and great-great-grandfather sacrificed their lives, gave up every hope and dream so that you would have the opportunity to learn Torah and you're, uh, I don't feel like it. It's a little hard for me. Again, unless you have some really good excuse, it shouldn't even be on the table. Lahavda, Lahavda, who's uh, had to go through high school, is familiar with Julius Caesar and his story. So the guy who stabbed him in the back was his best friend slash so, uh, adopted son who was supposed to take over for him, Brutus. And the reason why he did that is because he was appealed to by the Roman people there. They said, you're a Brutus. You were named after an Elk Elk from 500 years before, some guy Brutus. And he was the one who killed the king of the, whatever, the Estonians who had been ruling over the Romans from Yarmsirit. And he swore that his children will never allow a king or emperor to rule over them. That's you. You're named after him. How could you allow Julius to make himself emperor? And he said, no answer to that. Okay. And stabbed his best friend slash adopted father in the back. Right. A stab in the back. Why? Because uh, that's, that's the Messiah. That's the Messiah. And he felt compelled by that Messiah. That he has to do such an extreme act. And here for a zakat, lemaisitz, imustik, and gevaldik. But even for a person who unfortunately is not feeling that way. But how could you just give it up because it's uncomfortable to you? There has to be a sense, an understanding, that we're still carrying the torch of our father Yaakov. And when a person has this kavana and talks to Yaakov Avinu every single day, and tells Yaakov, and checks back in with Yaakov and says, Zayda, I'm here, I'm still here. So I think if we have that come on, it makes a very big difference. I want to end off tonight. We're holding by the, again, Shiva the Nechemta, the seven weeks of Nechama over the um, destruction of the Besamikdash and Golos and all that, that comes along with it. Um, other than reading the Haftaras of these seven parishes, there's no real, there's nothing else that Halacha or Hashkafa seems to tell us to do that would bring us Necham. So it seems that the, whatever the Necham is going to be is contained, its message is contained in these Haftaras and it would be worthwhile for us to study them. But I think the Kasha is obvious. Again, here, I don't know, in Mansi, it's not going to be so boiled. 
But in the mountains, if you're in a camp, in a bungalow colony, right, the, the, the beholder that goes on, Shabbos Nachem, is, is crazy. The Olam Mamish lets loose, let's not call it loose, let's call it, let's assume that everything is on the up and up. And it's Mamish and Noiridik and Noiridik and Simchas Nechoma. What in the world are we celebrating? We sat on the floor at the beginning of this week. If, if we were able to achieve it with tears pouring down our eyes, crying over the tragedy that is Gauls. We have nine out of every ten Jews. Kimat doesn't know. They wouldn't recognize the castle if they saw it. They don't know a thing about Yiddishkeit. Even amongst Eilam that does know, there's, uh, again, with the, 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 the youth, excluding our Gnadik Eilam here, but it's, it's a Pchadim. What's going on? The world that we live in is a, is a disaster. There's the tragedies that have, are continuously happening and unfortunately seem to be accelerating. Every single problem that we cried about is still here. And it's just a few days more of it. What exactly happened between Sunday and Matzah Shabbos and Lech Mashiach comes that is supposed to be in a Chama? What are we supposed to see that's supposed to make us feel good? That's supposed, ah, now I'm comforted. Yesterday I was crying that there's no Beis Amigdash. And today, since there's no Beis Amigdash, ah, I feel much better now. What's part of it? What, 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 what in the world, what is Nachamu about the Shabbos? We find that in the Haftarah this week, so Hashem says, Nachamu, Nachamu, Amin, double Hashem, Nachamu. There's a Gemara in the Sefer Smakas that everyone's heard many times, for human this time over the past week, you may have heard it more than ever before, right? Um, that, but it's a clear that the Gemara. The Gemara says that the four Tanoim were walking along near Harabayas and they saw a fox coming out of the Mokim Kodesh HaKadosh. So they all start to cry, very understandably. Seeing Mamish, how low had gone, a Mokim that previously, a Kaingodol who went in with a wrong Kaimana Kadai, and now animals are walking through it as if it's nothing. And it, and it is not, and that's what it is. Shkina's not there anymore. And, and Rabbi Kiva starts to laugh. Ha ha ha. Doesn't say laughing with tears, he's laughing. Shishma. So, so the, the, they asked him, they said, Rabbi Kiva, what are you laughing about? So he turns to him and says, what are you crying about? So he said, what type of question is that? Look! Well, of course, what are we crying about? There's a back coming out of his country. He says, hold over, that's why I'm laughing. So they said, yeah, let, let's hear this. So he says, there's two Nevuahs. There's Nevuah of Zechariah, and there's Nevuah of Yermia, and I think that's all, if I'm, unless I'm forgetting it. And, and it, this one says that foxes are going to come walking out of the Kodesh Kedashim. This one says that Zechariah, Zechariah, said, they answered through the streets of Yerushalayim. He says, so until I saw the fox coming out, I wasn't sure if that one would happen. But uh, now that I saw this, so I, uh, ah, batuach, that one day the image is going to be rebuilt. So they said, oh, Rebbe Kiva Nichan you comfort it. Two kashas. Number one, when a person says, I read a Navua and I wasn't sure if it's going to happen or not, we have a name for that. It's called apicursus. You're not allowed to not believe that a Navua is going to happen. What does that mean? Until I saw it with my own eyes, I was Gans Mesupik. What? Really? I, that's what they all should learn. 
Who knew? You look like such a nice Talmud Chacham here. And, yeah, who knew that you were harboring doubts about the rules of a Kaddish Baruch Hashem? Of course it's not so. So what does he even mean? And, and Lamaisa, they were Shlemeh They never had the Shalom in the first place. They, they believed that in the second of war that Mashiach's going to come and that it's all going to be good. So why do they say Nicham Tonu? They were, whatever, they believed in that before. So whatever Nechomeh gives them that one day, right now it's not said, but that one day will happen, so they already had that Nechomeh. What did they, what did Rabbi Kiva add to what they were saying? So I, I think Pshad is that Avadar Akiva, Rabbi Akiva believed in both Nevoahs. But Amol, there's a Nevoah that's meant literally, and I'm old, the Nebuah is not meant literally. The Rambam tries to give Kolon, which is which. Rambam holds that the Nebuah that says that the lamb and the lion will sit together is not meant literally. It doesn't mean you're going to see lambs and lions sitting in the street playing around. This is the Shittas Rambam. Others maybe disagree, but certainly there are Nebuahs that are not meant to be taken literally. Zotri Bekiva. Originally, I saw the beautiful, idealistic Nebuahs about Yemais HaMashiach. But I don't know, maybe the Misholim, just for, it means it's going to be extremely Gishmak. Things are going to be good. Compared to what the Golas looked like, things are going to be Gishmak. He says, but when I saw that the Nevoah of foxes coming out of the Kodesh Kedoshim, it doesn't mean that there's going to be Nishkishmak, the people who go in. It doesn't refer to a kind Godel who's like a fox. It's literal, Mamish Kishmoikein who? that foxes are going to come out of the base Kodesh Kedoshim. So I understood that the Nevois of Yeshaya, the Nevois that describe in, in Mamish the greatest of terms, what Mashiach is going to look like, it's Mamish Keshmoi It's literally the way it describes it there. In all its glory, that's how it's going to be. And therefore they said, Nicham Tanum. Abada they believed also. But they said, it's tackled, and when we see how low it is, that shows us how great it will be. In, in the Haftorah of Kiseitze, one of the Shev of the Chemtah, so there's a Pasuk, Tupsukim, it says, Berega koton azavtich, for a small second, Hashem says, I will leave you. Uberachem im gedoylem akatzev, and with great mercy I will bring you back. Bashetz of Ketzev, the stardi ponai rega mimcho, you know, like a flash of lightning, I will hide my face from you for a moment. And with eternal chesed, I will have Rahman Asan. Amol, there's a kid, you know, he comes back and says, Ta, this is a gigantic dog outside. It's like, oh no, gigantic dog, okay, maybe I should run too. And then, you know, he, he says, like, it's as big as uh, this chair. You're like, oh, okay, I can stay inside, I don't have to go out and see. Right, to a kid, Big carries it's a kid big. Hashem says, "Berachem and gedolim akatzer." How big is Racham and gedolim? What does Hashem mean when He says Racham and gedolim? So we look at the beginning of the pasuk. It says, "Berega katan azatif." I'm going to leave you for a moment. That moment has been two thousand years long. All the pain that we cried about on Tishabov is that one moment. So could you imagine if that's described by HaKadosh Baruch as a moment? 
So then how big is Rachel and Gedoni? If he calls it Bashatzer Ketzer, Stadi Ponai Regam and But then he says the Chesed Oilo. How long is Chesed Oilo? If 2,000 years, with all the time, with all the tears that have been cried, with all the pogroms, with the Holocaust, and Hachvetat, and the Spanish Inquisition, and the Churban Abayas, first and second, with what we're going through today, if all that is described by Hashem as, as Rega Kotel, so how big is, is, is Chesed How gigantic is Chesed How amazing is going to be the return on that investment? And therefore, that's the Shabbos Nacham. It's true, we spent a day mourning what we have lost. But now the time is to turn and think about the future. Think about what it's going to be like when Mashiach comes. And it's that very time, the longer it's been going on, the more we have felt the pain year after year on Tishabah and cry year after year about the worsening situation, that deepens our understanding of how gewaldic it's going to be when Mashiach comes. How amazing it's going to be. What the Racham in Gedoilim is going to look like. Therefore, Hashem starts off and He says, Nachamu, Nachamu, Amen. There's not going to be one Nachamu for clients. Because what the Nachamu is going to be is going to be dependent on what the Tsar person felt until the Nachamu came. If someone said, oh, it's not Kishmak, we're here in Golos, you know, Housing prices are high in America. It's not good. And uh, the guy don't let us put up air, you know, an air, and now I can't carry. If that's the extent of the tsar, if that's what the rega cotton is for us, so then is You'll be able to put up a lot of areas, big ones. And you won't have to use telephone poles. You can manage to put fences, Rambam's areas, around the whole city. That's going to be Racham and Gedal. But if a person understands deeply what the Tsar of not being able to come close to HaKadosh Baruch the Tsar of Neshama being forlorn and lost, of yearning to come close to his father, to come back to where we're supposed to be and being unable to do so. If a person looks around that the Neshamas of Christ without drowning, and there doesn't seem to be any way out. And they feel the tsar of 2,000 years of Jewish history. And, and they, they really cry about it. So then the check that they have from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of Racham and Gedolim and Chesed Oilam, so they could turn to Hashem and bring all that tsar that they felt, all the tears that they cried, all the problems that we suffered, and say, Hashem, you call that Rega Kata. Let's see the Chesed Godlam. Let's see the, the Chesed Olam and the Rachem and Gedolam. And it's the very pain that we experience during the nine days, during the Ben Hamtzar and the three weeks, that pain becomes transformed into Arnachama. Because we have to learn to look at it and understand from there how great it's going to be. And I very strongly encourage Olam over the next, over the next seven weeks, until we start focusing on, on tshuva. But during the Shivan and it's worthwhile to take out the Navi and go through the descriptions in the Shaya of, of what it's going to be like when Mashiach will come.
the neshama of Yiddishkeit, the, the, but I mean by that I mean the hergeshim of Yiddishkeit, are found in Navi. And specifically in the Levim Achrayim. I know, although we spoke about you know, women's stuff two weeks ago, but uh, we're all men here and we're not supposed to learn Navi. But, but some things you have to learn with myself. And to take out the Navim, it's a shtick hard, but, you know, but there's enough Svarna to help a person along and to really learn it through. And it, 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 has a, it has some an ability to allow a person to imagine what it will be like and to make it more real. And also the Karachatari does its thing. And when you learn those Psukim, it awakens within the Neshama what's there, hidden inside, which is this tremendous yearning to come back to HaKadosh Baruch and not to be in Golis anymore. And that we shouldn't come back here in a year from now and do another Tishabu. But Adrabba, this year, when we come to Yom Kippur, should do the Kain Godo, the Besam Mikdash, the Sida Voida, not just to have it described in the Dada, we should do. Make sure to take these weeks and to allow these feelings to grow within ourselves. And when they do, Mitzashem, so Taka be the Shivan and the Kemta. And the Emerson of Kama will have as the show. Now let's go eat shallots. Right? <laughs>